Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content, such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. In out. Shake that all about. Brain again. And he's got it. Gavin was closing in. Oh, Gavin has scored. Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that to three. Yeah! Yeah! Hello Cobblers fans, I'm Charles and welcome to It's All Cobblers To Me, sponsored by bonuslibrary.co.uk. This weekend has seen the Cobblers breeze past Macclesfield, struggle against Berry, whilst we've eaten our own body weight in chocolate. We hope you all had a good Easter weekend. Neil is here, fresh from polishing his golf clubs. Hi Neil. Hi Charles. Danny is here, he's nursing an injury, he's picked up playing football in a family match. Hi Danny, you okay? Just about, just about recovered. I think I might be out to the end of the season, but um, taking the summer to recover, hopefully. To start us off this week, the Trust released a statement on Thursday afternoon regarding the lack of activity around the East Stand. In that statement, the Trust said that Northampton Borough Council solicitor Francis Fernandez told them in a recent meeting that legal papers drawn up to regularise the two leases that cover the stadium and surrounding area were sent to the football club for approval and to be signed last June. Mr Fernandez informed the Trust that these papers have still not been signed by the club, nor returned to the council. You can read the full statement on the Trust website, but what do we think, guys? Neil, good statement? Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was a, a relatively good statement from the Trust. Um, it it puts the ball firmly in the club's court, doesn't it? And I'm, I'm pretty astounded that the club haven't responded yet, actually. Um, whether well, there's, whether they've been trying to concentrate on the two games over the weekend, um, first off, I don't know. Maybe that's that's one of the reasons. Maybe they're going to respond tomorrow. Maybe there's some sort of announcement in the offing, maybe, which is why they're just delaying it a bit. I don't know, but it's, it doesn't look great for the club on that basis, and it's difficult to verify what's true and what's not true anymore, isn't it? Um, I... I I flip from what one week I, I sort of I'm on the club side, the next week I'm on the trust side, then I'm in the middle, and at the moment I'm in the middle, I think. But it, it does require an answer from the club, I think, that doesn't it? Yeah, we should just let you know that we're recording this on Monday night. So the Berry game finished a couple of hours ago. We're now recording. So uh, as you're saying there, Neil, it's quite possible that the club have just wanted to get this weekend's two matches out of the way and then come Tuesday morning. So maybe by the time that you're actually listening to this, there might be a statement from the football club. But we don't know whether that's going to happen at this stage. Um, I mean, Danny, what were your thoughts on, on the statement that was given by the Trust? I thought it was a good statement. Um, like Neil said, I think it was informative. It was um, <clears throat> kind of this s- s- setting out 
sort of the frustrations, I guess, isn't it? Um, to, as to what a lot of people have. Um, I think the thing I find difficult is again that the the distance between the club and the trust it just seems to be completely apart at the moment in what they're doing, and that's that's the thing I struggle with. That um, the trust have to put out a statement to get an answer on on something, and the, and the club then come back at it. There doesn't seem to be any kind of sense of them working together um, at all, which is a bit that I'm struggling with at the moment. We've said before in the past about how all we want is for the club to be as good as it possibly can be. And and we've been critical of the trust. We have been critical of the football club in the past. Um, but we do think that they should be working together. And I think that's maybe, you know, the one thing that does seem lacking. We kind of feel like there's a, a, a lot of disharmony between the two parties at the moment. Um, and it's almost one of those things, well, well, who's causing that disharmony? You know, you can't really turn around and go, oh, it's because the Trust have said a couple of bad things. Because the Trust have done that because of the fact they're not happy with the responses that they're getting from the football club. So it's kind of, I don't know, like two children squabbling at the minute. Yeah, it's, it, I think they're both at fault. Um, I think that the club have obviously got their sort of plan and their, what they're planning to do set and they're not going to budge from that really um, be that you know they're, they're probably looking to use some of the land to help fund the the development of the East Stand which and I think that's probably what rubs a lot of people up the wrong way a little bit on the basis that do you remember ages and ages ago when when they first took over? They said, "There's you know, there's X amount of money ring fenced for the stand. The stand can be completed at any time." That I'm not sure that's actually true anymore, is it? Well, we don't know, do we? I mean, we've not asked that question, have we? Recently, um, I don't know if anybody else. I don't know if anybody else has. It's because we're not investigative journalists, Charles. <laughs> I, I do think though that you re I read that statement and like you Neil I kind of you know look you know we went and met Kelvin didn't we yep. a few months ago me and you Neil we asked him his favorite pizza topping didn't we we, we did yes <laughs> but we got you know we got answers to our question which satisfied us at the time didn't they um you know Kelvin actually did say that he's quite happy to answer the questions that we had on or off the record we just chose to have a discussion off the record and and just have a chat as fans and and he was quite i felt open and honest like one of the things that he said was that basically if we didn't like him then at least listen to him and then if we, we still didn't like him, then that was absolutely fine. There was no issue. And that we were able to say that we don't like him if that's what we wanted to do. As it happened, we came out of that chat actually sort of going, I can see what's going on here. I understand what, what the sort of gist of what they're getting at is. And we've not had any reason to, on a personal level, question them any further, in my opinion. Obviously, this now. statement... Does yeah, change up, things up until now, yeah. The, this statement changes things, yeah. Um, but the the question that I've maybe got going back to the trust and to therefore the borough council is it was only a couple of months ago that the borough council and the football club released a joint statement that basically said everything was going along as expected and they'd announce more as and when they could. So, why didn't the Borough Council say this back then. Well, the way I see it, and I, and I could be completely wrong, um, which wouldn't be unheard of, Charles, I know. <laughs> um, 
but the way I see it is that the, the, the argument is that the stand could be finished now. It could be done now. There's, there's no problem with finishing the stand at the moment, which is, you know, that's one side of the argument. Just finish the stand, get it done. However, from from the other side of the argument, which I guess is the club's point of view, there's a little bit more at play with the with a little bit of the land and stuff, and that's where you get all this oh, land grabbers and all that sort of stuff that they're getting thrown at them. And I, I've got no issue with with you know the people at the football club earning a bit of money if it benefits the football club as well. Um, at the end of the day, they're they're businessmen and. You know that's that they didn't they didn't buy cobblers for the love of cobblers at the time. I'm sure they've they've potentially fallen in love with the club over their time here, or 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 perhaps the opposite and started <laughs> starting to hate it. I don't know, but I, I think that's the issue. There's there's the the argument that the stand could be finished right now, and that's that's almost what the trust and the council are saying. Um, although they're waiting for something to be signed or something, and then there's the argument that you know the club aren't going to finish the stand immediately until they've got everything around it all sorted and legalised and all that sort of stuff, which is what frustrates people, I think. Do you think that just finishing the stand as it is, you know, the shell is there, basically it's finish the boxes, put the rest of the seats in and obviously enclose it and put some toilets in. Do you think that's enough for this club to be sustainable in the future? Well, that's all that's going to happen anyway, right? That, That... you know, we like you said, we 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 met with with Kelvin and and Gareth, and and yeah, we went away and he he answered what we wanted to know, um, and it was he was open and honest and showed us stuff, and we we all came away at the time thinking, yeah, you know, look, that's that makes sense, can understand what they're doing and stuff, but even from that discussion, there was there's no there was no different plan for the east end was there it was you know it's going to be finished but it'll be finished as as has been communicated numerous times before there'll be 10 boxes or however many it was you know a new a new bar maybe and stuff and that's about it um no no sudden changing of grand plans or anything so what that's that's where i'm struggling at the minute whatever happens whatever's happening the the stand is still going to end up being finished as as it was and you know it's nothing no grand scheme is going to suddenly happen, I don't think, unless unless we're not privy to stuff, which could could well be the case, I guess. Um, but I, I see it very much that it, it. I could be wrong, and you know, this is just how I view it, and it's just my opinion. But it seems to me a little bit of a funding thing, of you know, look, how are we going to fund finishing the stand and and getting the club a bit of extra income? Well, one way of doing that is is you know, developing some land behind the stand or you know alongside the stand or whatever it may wherever that land is that then that that piece of land is sold to a developer or whoever it may be that money helps finalize and build the stand and everyone earns a little bit of money out of it that's the way i see it at the minute and and i guess that's the argument isn't it that it's dragged on for such a long time uh, and i can i can see that argument a little bit that if the stand's just going to be finished as it was anyway then just get it done it's been so long that we've been looking at it and it's been so long that we've been talking about it. It's, it's just frustrating. And, 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 it, and it's so difficult to, it, it's so, so difficult to know what to believe and who to believe. One of the interesting things I, I, I think I read or I saw somewhere over the weekend that it was being talked about was how the Borough Council obviously want this stadium issue to just go away and just be done with, because obviously you go back to 
the reason why we're looking at a half-finished stand is because money went missing, money that the council lent to the football club. And, and therefore, every time that it's on the telly, it's in the news, it's, you know, just the cobblers playing and the highlights are on Quest, um, you know, for the five people that watch that programme and know where it is on the Sky Planner. But, Quest. You know, <laughs> but it's... You know, it's there as a constant reminder to the borough council of of what went wrong within their organisation. And I know that the club aren't blameless in that, or at least the club from before, um, so previous owners aren't blameless in that. But, you know, so I can understand why the council are basically saying, look, get that done. Because every time they see it, every time it's mentioned, you're basically bringing back up bad memories for the council. Now, I'm not saying that that, shouldn't happen and that we shouldn't be questioning that council although I'm not in a position to do that because I can't vote in that particular council election stuff but the interesting thing for me was hearing that was is it just the case therefore Danny do you think that the council are now just sort of saying do you know what I don't want to hear any more about this and they're now just going to dig their heels in and make it as difficult as possible for anything else to happen than just the club pay for the stadium to be done um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the council's position is on it, really. I mean, you know, they've got their own like little problems to deal with, haven't they? They've got a, got a load of load of issues going on themselves. So the, the football club's probably not the thing that they're concentrating on the most at the minute. Um, I've no idea. I don't know what. And again, it comes back to the whole point of how closely are people working together and how sort of. I've just got really confused as to where we're at and where we're um, where we're going and where we're supposed to be with with this. It, it's it's a massive sort of cloud to me I just don't I'm struggling to get my head around it really I think I think that's right Danny and and I think a lot of almost all of that could be cleared up by the club Uh, and we've said it before haven't we and we know I know there's an argument that some things need to be kept you know behind closed doors and all that sort of stuff etc but we're going around in circles We're, we're, we're literally every month we're going back back to the same point that we we don't really nobody really knows what's going on you know some people have an extreme view that you know that that kelvin thomas and the club are, are you know just in it for some uh, to earn some money and they're actually never going to plan to finish the, the stand etc that's the the extreme view there's other people that are of the the other side of the coin that you know everything's all in hand and they're doing a good job and then there's probably people like us that are a little bit in the middle trying to Trying to trying to understand both sides of the argument and trying to work out and sift through the stuff which is clearly just negative nonsense as, and and clear or clearly just ultra positive stuff that can't ever see anything wrong with the club. Trying to understand actually what the current state of play is and where we are, and we just don't know. It's it it's so frustrating, and and you know ultimately, I guess at the end of the day, we don't necessarily have a right to know because it's not our money, but some clarity. Like and just just for the for the full fan base, it's been going on for so long. What's the plan? What's going to happen? When's it going to happen? Will it ever get done? How's it being paid for? Five simple things that could just be cleared off. Bang. Uh, and and uh, I'm at the point now where that's what they need to do. That's what the club needs to do. Uh, so many people, you, you read it on Twitter and stuff, and I know Twitter's a a reactive place, but. So many people are just getting to their end of the end of their tether with it, and in terms of even just just going to watch the club and some form of something, just to just to clear things up a little bit and, and to get us all back on board. It's it's so difficult. It needs more than a statement, I think. Now, 
like, I'm, I'm sick. I'm just sick of talking about it and having like odd people sending out like prepared statements of like complete vagueness. I think and like no, no one really knows what it means or that's nothing new and things like that. And it just, it's just become like this topic that just that's become a chain. I think on around our legs that we just we can't seem to move on until it's done and it's, it affects on the pitch it affects in the stands we you, you drive over to six fields and you kind of see it and you think oh still not you know, still not finished it kind of as a reminder of like I said Neil about the, the failings of what's gone before and you sit in the ground and we go a goal behind and all of a sudden somebody will bring up the east stand again and suddenly point to the stand and somehow link to the fact that the stand's not finished to the fact that Ash Taylor slipped and the opposition have scored or something like that. it just becomes this kind of noose around our neck that we've, we've just got to somehow get off and it, it does need that clarity it needs that that sense of right this is exactly what's happening and this is how it's going to happen or if it's not going to happen then tell us uh yeah exactly that uh, and i think you're right in in previously you know what we've had is you know uh, a video update from the club um which like you said danny it's never really told us anything has it apart from things are ongoing you know we're moving forward and hoping to some for some progress soon etc and stuff but I think you could take away a lot of the, or certainly an element of the, of the kind of cloak and dagger stuff. If we were just, you know, the club was just clear, you know, this is, you know, this is why we're not doing anything at the moment. You know, this is what the situation is. This is what we're waiting to do. This is what the next step is. This is what the next step is after that. This is when the stand will, once that's done, this is when the work on the stand will commence. We can't put date on that because it obviously will depend on timings and stuff. And this is how the stand will be finished. I I don't, yeah, I'm the same as you, Danny. A a simple, you know, statement that doesn't tell us anything isn't going to achieve anything again. And if anything, it's probably going to just make me more annoyed. I'm Chris Hargreaves, and it's all cobblers to me. Time to take a look back at the two games played over the weekend, starting with the 3-1 win over Sol Campbell's Macclesfield Town. And now a bit more space for Turnbull, advancing towards the penalty area. Crossing in left. Goal. That's a great shot. Oh, Get it! Great cross by Jordan Turnbull. And that's a first-class solid finish. Forward by Stevens and Smith is away here. Oh, no, side flag. Chance for 1 1. And it is. That's a super finish by Harry Smith. The ball played forward by the uh, midfielder Ben Stevens. And Smith just keeping his head, lobbing the ball over the on running David Cornell. It's a bad back pass. Powers in on 1 on 1. That's a 2 1. Pass goes. Oh, terrible defending the Macclesfield back three. From deep inside, he's going to possession. This Eight. must be 3 1. Daniel Powell clean through. He's going to pass to Morales. He does. Morales scores. So, Danny, you were there as normal, season ticket holder. <laughs> Why would you miss the match? <laughs> <laughs> How, how was the game for you? Firstly, we do have to call Macclesfield Sol Campbell's Macclesfield, don't we? Now, like you have to call them, like you have to call them Frank Lampard's Derby, or um, we, we haven't got to the point of calling Keith Cole's Northampton yet. But what's he? Or uh, like you have to call um, John Gale, Big John Gale, Big John Gale, yeah. Um, any others? Anyway, I'm going to go off track, but it's probably good because these games are pretty pointless. Aren't they? <laughs> and um, we've come out of it drawing four four in aggregate. Um, so it kind of raises the question of do we actually need to have played them in the first place? No, is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for 
podcast reasons. Oh, <laughs> Macclesfield. What happened against Macclesfield? We've won. You were there, Danny. We've won. I was there, um, moaning about the East Stand when Macclesfield equalised. Um, <laughs> so I thought Sam Hoskins had an amazing game. Obviously, he, oh, uh, yeah, he's he his new contract. <laughs> God, next year we're saying Dean Bowditch scored. This is what I was going to say about the game. You just reminded me, uh, Charles. I'm annoyed at um, Dean Bowditch and Daniel Powell for scoring the goals, if I'm honest. I don't want them to sort of strengthen their position at the club because I don't like them very much. Um, no, you know, nothing against them personally, but don't think they're up to the standard as for a full season. Um, don't want them here next season, really, if I'm honest. Um so I don't really want him scoring goals. I want someone like Sam Hoskins, who is going to sign a 20-year extension to his contract, um, to be scoring the goals. But apart from that, it was all right. I mean, first Dean, Bowditch, Dean Bowditch put a tweet up, didn't he, Did after he? the game, like saying, I can do no more. He can do no more. Well, it was a Which good finish, to be fair to him. He, <laughs> he has these moments of just, he does something out of nowhere, doesn't he? Does that, he's got these moments of quality about him, but then... He's just lost for the rest of the game, and it's really confusing yeah. me. I, I it was a really, good finish. I get really confused by him as a player because he'll come up with these goals and these good finishes, which shows he's got it in him. But he doesn't do anything else. If we go back to the first game of last season, where we were away at Shrewsbury, which I think was Dean Bowditch's first appearance in a competitive match for the Cobblers, um, it, Justin Edinburgh played the the fabled 3-5-2 and, and, and Bowditch sort of seemed to be in that sort of uh, that role behind the striker position um, and and was never anywhere in the game, I felt. And I, I think that's been the problem. And I, th- I saw at least a couple of people on Twitter saying the same thing over the weekend about Bowditch, about how he can do something like he can score a good goal. He can, you know, he's got a bit of quality about him. But at this level, League Two, his position isn't required. And therefore, you know, basically, he's never going to actually be able to be an influential player on the pitch for any side in League Two. Um, I don't think it matters what position he plays at, to be honest. Um, I don't think he's good enough. Um, That Shrewsbury game you were talking about, he missed a very easy chance. Um, I instantly knew from then on that he was not going to be any good for us. Um, I don't think he's good enough. Uh, I think he does show the odd flash of, you know, ability um, in in terms of, you know, like with a good finish, like against Macclesfield. Uh, I think we'll come on to the Berry game, I know, but I mean, he played a really good through ball to, to Andy Williams. Um, and he does show the odd, you know, the odd flash, but it's so, it's rare. It's 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 not the norm. And, and everything else is just nothingness. Like he, he's not great in the air. He's not got pace, really. Um, he, he's not good, a good tackler. Um, he's not a workhorse. He's not, he's not going to beat a man. It, it, it's, there's a lot of nothing about him. It's just sort of very, you know, and occasionally he'll, he'll you know, he's, he's got good technique, which you could, you could say is, is in his favour, but he's not good enough for, to, for if we want to be a team that's going to try and get promoted out of League Two next season, he shouldn't be in our team. I mean, he sh- probably shouldn't be in our squad. He's a passenger. What about Daniel Powell then, Danny? Because the one thing that I would say about him is that he lacks consistency and that's the biggest downfall for him. Yep. Yeah, I agree with that. He's not got that consistency at all. He started to pick up a bit towards the end of the season when he's potentially playing for a contract 
I'd say. Um, but again, is another one who's he's got a bit more about him than Bowditch, I think. Um, and he can beat man, and he can use his pace a little bit, and he's potentially borderline. I wouldn't maybe keeping us in the squad as a push um, to bring on now and again, but um, yeah, I, I still I'm still not convinced that he's got it in him for a whole season. Like Neil said, if we if we are going to be having ambitions of getting into the top seven, then I can't see Powell being one of the players that helps us to do that. I mean, where would you play him? That, that's the question. If you were going to keep him, and yes, okay, fine, you're going to bring him off the bench as a bit of an impact sub because he's got pace. Where are you going to play him? Because he obviously he turned around, didn't he, and told Keith that he wanted to play as a striker, and then we all laughed about it. Yes, he has scored a few goals this season. He scored one against Macclesfield, but you know, and obviously provided the assist for Marias's tapping as well at the end. But I mean. Are you going to seriously keep him as an option for up front when there's clearly actual strikers that you could go and buy? If I had a choice, Charles, I would play him uh, right midfield for Port Vale. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair enough, I think. (laughs) Sorry, Daniel. (laughs) Paul Waterton on Twitter said that the 3-5-2 formation doesn't suit the players. Um, What are your thoughts on that? for this season and then looking ahead to next season now? Uh, it doesn't. Uh, Mr. Paul Walter-Turney is correct. Um, it, it doesn't suit the players we've got. We know that. That's been a problem for a while. Um, we don't have the players to, to suit a three-five-two formation. Impossible to say for next season because it will depend on, on who we recruit in the summer and who leaves, etc. But you'd imagine that's probably the, the formation that BDK will want to go with. And... I suspect maybe he'll, he'll try and buy a few players that can play in that formation, but also are a bit versatile. Yeah, I think you're right in terms of the fact that obviously Kerl needs to go out and buy players or get players in that are going to match his formation. It certainly looks like he's going to go with a three-five-two for next season. You, you would think we need wing backs, don't you? If we're going to play that formation, we don't have any out and out wing backs. Do we? Well, that's it, isn't it? That is that is the big thing for me is that you actually look at the squad um, at the moment. We've never had a wing-back, I don't think. Ever. Never, ever. What? You know, what never. Not, not that I know. Not, not while I've been watching, because we've never really played with wing-backs. I mean, uh, well, go on then. Tell me I'm wrong, Danny. Uh, Rob Ullathorne at Mansfield, for one. Jason Crow. Des Little played wing-back. Uh, Jason Crow is the quintessential wing-back, I'd say. He is. He was on the other side when Jason Crow was playing. I can't remember. Must have been. Was he playing both sides? Maybe. <laughs> Just that good. What about um, Kyle Walker? Kyle Walker. Duncan Spedding. Duncan Spedding. He won't. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't back. want to be a wing back. <laughs> he didn't even want to be a footballer, Danny. <laughs> Let alone a wing back. Many times we didn't want him to be a footballer either. <laughs> oh dear. No, I do think, though, that, you know, wing-back is the big problem, isn't it, is is finding that. Now, we've got George Cox, who's on loan from Brighton, and potentially he might be, you know, a a full-time signing or at least maybe a a year-long loan signing for next season, potentially. But, I mean, who are you going to play on the right? You know, that does mean that you're kind of looking at, first and foremost, a new defence for next year, 
Taylor's not played the last three games. He's clearly not going to be in Kel's plans for next season. Charles, that's so not that's, a bad thing. No, I'm not saying it isn't. But what I'm saying is, is that you've got, you've then got John Turnbull, who's out of contract. Charlie Good, who potentially will go back to Scunthorpe, especially if Scunthorpe will go down. I can't see them letting him go. We we don't. Aaron Pierre possibly going to be snapped up and pay. You know, somebody from the higher league is going to probably wick him. He's going to actually pay money for him and, and take him away from him. And and then you're looking at two new win backs as well. You're, you're already looking at a, a brand new back. Well, five for next season. And that's before you even get to the top end of the pitch, which is actually where we kind of all want the signings to be made. Because no matter how how good your defence is, if you can't score goals and you've only got Sam Hoskins up front, you're not going to get promoted. So just wiping my tears away there, Charles. How many people, how many players do we think that started over the weekend are going to start the first game next season? Because I can't see two. two. Two, I reckon, Danny. Who's that? I think... Um, Pierre and Pollock. I think Pierre's going to be. I, I can see him going to like Lincoln or something. Now they've gone up. He'll go to if he's going anywhere. He'll go back to Wickham. Well, that's fine. But they haven't got much money, have they? No, because the fans own the club. <laughs> he's under contract, isn't he? He is under contract. Yes, but that that's, that shows you how big a job Cole's got. Then we're all looking at it thinking that he can't find any Cobblers fans really that would say we're going to keep even five or six that would play the first game of next season. So shows what the job he's got over the summer, doesn't it? It's Yeah, and, and realistically, some of them are still going to be here next season, right? We're not going to... There's, there's no there's no way that they're all going to go. Um, and, you, and you're not... like We've had difficulties moving players on in the past, haven't we? So I'd say realistically, a, a few of them will definitely still be here next season, but whether they're in the starting lineup or not is another question. It depends who, who's brought in, doesn't it? And... Depends who Curl's got his eyes on and who he can attract to the club, I guess. I'm Chris Freestone and it's all cobblers to me. So from one 3-1 scoreline to another, this time a reversal for the cobblers as they went to Gig Lane to face high-flying Berry. Berry losing possession again by trying to play out and they could be in trouble here, Berry. This is... Foley on this near side with the right foot cross gets a deflection and a by Williams into the net and the Cobbers lead Andy Williams achieves double figures for the season I'm tempting folk by saying this Alex but Barry appeared to have hit a bit of a brick wall there they're not yeah they do yeah the goals definitely rock them uh, they're not as crisp in possession you can hear advantage being played here comes uh, Adams with a cross one into the penalty real chance for one goal Now Mayer turns towards goal, goes inside Foley, clear shooting chance, and into the net! Oh, just allowed way too much room, just outside the penalty area. This is Adams for Berry, Adams on the charge, right foot crosses the penalty area, that's the one! Good play, good play, going by Nicky Maynard. Game set match for the Shakers. So for the third game in a row, boys, three changes were made to the starting eleven, and yet there was still no sign of either John Joe O'Toole or Ash Taylor. Now, we've talked about Ash Taylor. We all know our opinions on him. But 
One person who's obviously very, very upset at the moment is O'Toole on Twitter, who seems to be very upset at the fact that it looks like John Joe might be leaving the Cobblers in the summer. I feel like we are watching his breakdown on Twitter each day with each tweet. I feel like we might need to get him some help at some point because he's definitely going to leave John Joe, isn't it? He's pretty much admitted that on the BBC show, didn't he, the other week? Um where he hinted that I might have to leave to regain, you know, my form and stuff. Um, and I think it's the right thing, I think, for for the club and for him. I think it's time he moved, he moved on. And sentiment, you can't keep someone on sentiment, can you? No, you can't overstay your welcome, can you? Is um, it, There's a chance that next season, if he stays, um, it kind of becomes, it kind of ruins part of his legacy in a way. And you don't want to do that because he's been such a great, an iconic figure for us, I guess, over the last sort of couple of seasons before we went down in the championship winning season. He was such a sort of pivotal part of that that squad. Um, you don't want to end up losing that. And I just, you kind of want to just wish him well and sort of think of it whenever he comes back, he gets a good reception rather than people remembering the last fading years of his time here. So, so let's just actually talk about the Berry game then. Um, those do we those have to? three. Yes, we do, Neil. Those three changes were made. Started off quite well, in fairness. We did manage to go 1-0 up through Andy Williams' 10th goal of the season. Um, So he now actually is completely level with Kevin Van Veen. So as long as he scores one more, he will finish as our top goal scorer and he'll still be a player that plays for the football club at least until the end of the season. Yeah, we started quite well, didn't we? We, uh, Certainly the first sort of five, ten minutes, we were... Peppering. I wouldn't say all o- all over them, <laughs> and I wouldn't say peppering either. But we were we were on the front foot. Um, what was it that Oglethorpe said? Going on like an express train or something? An, an express train, yeah. And he let himself down though, didn't he? Just before they scored, Oglethorpe was saying, "You know, this is so comfortable for the cobblers." I've I've written down on my notes loads of cobblers chances and nothing for Berry. Oh, one all. Typical curse of the commentator. Became the replacement bus service. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, I, I saw a stat on Twitter. I don't know whether it's it's correct or not, but it's it's something. It was a, it was just pointing out the amount of points we've lost from winning positions, and it was something like twenty six or something around that, which is ridiculous, isn't it? Surrendous, isn't it? It's not great at all. So if if the stat is correct and we we've lost around say say around about twenty points from winning positions. If you say it's twenty, you know we'd be we'd be second or or, or second or third. If it was twenty six, then we'd be full on second. The thing is, though, Neil, you've got to take <laughs> yeah, you've got to take those things with a pinch of salt, though, because even Lincoln will have lost games from winning positions this season. It might only be one or two, but every single team does it. Now, granted, maybe not twenty or twenty six points worth, but. We, there's no way in hell that we'd have won every single one of those games. No, but it's a, a symptom of a... Well, it's a it, it shows there's more of an underlying problem, doesn't it? I mean, would you be happy, Danny, if, if you were the chairman of the football club with the way that it's gone since Curl came in? Um, Danny, I'd love it, living in Florida. <laughs> I'd be 
satisfied from where we were, I think, looking at it, that we were 20-odd points away from the bottom two and never really in in doubt. We had a flutter, brief flutter with the playoffs. Um, January, I don't think we could have done any more than we did. Um, I don't think it was a very good transfer window. Um, could have been better, but then... It was horrific. It better, if it was better, then we may have spent money on people that we don't actually need because we'd only end up a couple of places higher or something like that. So, I mean, I wouldn't be, I'd be, I'd be all right with it. I think it's a massive summer, like we said before, isn't it? It's, this is the time when Keith Carl's going to sort of live or die, isn't it? Is, is June this summer transfer window because the style we play isn't eye catching. Um, and if we start to lose game that starts next start next season with Curl's team in place, then there's no real excuses anymore, is there? Well, one of the things that, that has been said, not just by you, but by quite a lot of people, um, has been that we're not enjoying the football and, and the brand of football that we've been playing recently, especially with the fact that there's been a lot of hoofball, um, especially during that Macclesfield game. Um, but Curl has said before about he's not able to trust the players to play that short passing game. And so therefore he is kind of having to just say to them, just kick it in that direction. Just get rid of it. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll play it that way. Kick it forward somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I totally took that a bit too literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't got a problem with um, long ball and direct football as such. It can be effective. Yeah. You look at teams gone by when you've got you're, you're lumping it up to John Gale and they knock it down to Jamie Forrester, or you're, you're lumping it up to Bayo and Gilligan's getting in and scoring the goals. You, we've had that directness about us before, and I don't particularly have a problem with that. And I quite enjoy it sometimes that you go and watch it. I don't particularly find it boring if you've got a team around it that's scrapping and battling and you've got characters in there. But um, we don't at the minute, and I don't think we can even play that effectively at the moment. Um, and I don't necessarily think you have to pass your way out of League Two. You can a lot of effective teams coming out of this division will play that type of direct style. And I think you've just got to get it right. And we, we haven't got the personnel to do it at the moment um, to play either style. And I think we've kind of, we've got players that want to play it a certain way and we've got players that are trying to do it a different way. And it's just a bit of a hodgepodge, a John hodgepodge, if you will. It's, um, I don't think it's something that Keith Curl is, is known for, is it? Sort of long ball tactics. I think it's, it's probably more to do with, like you said, Danny, the the players he's got is is disposable are are generally donkeys, um, and uh, and even that's probably being kind to a few of them. Um, I, you've got we've just got to wait until you know the summer and the turnover of players and and see what we're looking at at the start of next season. And you'd think that the the style of play will become a little bit more different, and and he'll have some more players in that he can trust and. The style is almost secondary to me. I, I, I'm more bothered about the results. You know, if we go and play really nice football but lose 3-2, if we play relatively dull football but win 1-0, I'm definitely happier if we won 1-0. So I, I think it's an easy thing to throw around when, when a team's struggling and um, when things aren't great at the club. Um, that doesn't really bother me a huge amount. I mean, look at the, the Inatkins era. That wasn't exactly free-flowing, fun football, was it? But it was effective and it was an enjoyable time. And and even with the the Boothroyd season where we made the playoff final, that was atrocious football. But you know, when we when we when Luke Guthrie scored that volley away at Cheltenham, we didn't care then, did we? No, and that was a throw into Bayo, wasn't it? And yeah, 
Guthridge got it, got the knacks of it and smashed it in the top corner. It's um, like, the, like the Atkins days were the some of the happiest that we've been, in, aren't they? And um, it, it's just it's about to me. It's about the characters and the the players that are going to do it effectively. A prime example from today, Nicky Adams, uh, that kind of player who's going to bat and run through brick walls for you, and people are going to respond to that. And it's not necessarily about being directors about having having the players who are going to get you off your feet in, in all sorts of ways. So Matt Nickel on Twitter after today's game against Berry said that he's okay with the result as it pushes MK Dons out of the automatic promotion spots and into fourth place. Now obviously there's two games of the season left to go. Um, you've already said Danny we, we are going to play a fairly large part in the relegation battle um, but today saw us kind of playing a part in the race for promotion as well I mean are you happy that because we've lost MK are now not in the automatic promotion spots does it really come into consideration as a Cobblers fan yes yeah it does to me we haven't got anything to play for have we and if we can I mean, they haven't done enough today either, have they? So they've they've drawn it home to Port Vale today. So they haven't exactly done their their jobs themselves, have they? So um, and if they'd have won that game, they would have been up there. So it's on them, really. Um, and I, th- I think any time you can make MK do anything negative is a good thing. And they've got they've got to play, I think, Colchester and Mansfield in the last two games. So good luck to them, or well, not good luck to them. Um, because so, and I, I, they drop into the playoffs, and I hope Exeter beat them in the final. Um, and Paul Tisdale starts crying on the pitch. Postman, Neil, Postman, Neil, Postman, Neil. It's black and white cat. This week on the Postbag, we asked for people's Cobblers Easter players um, or anything related to Cobblers and linked to Easter. We we started the ball rolling with, uh, well, actually, I think, Danny, you started the ball rolling with Carl Eggs mm. and Joe Bunny. I preferred my Carl Eggs than my Joe Bunny. But... I, I preferred Carl Eggs because um, yeah. Joe Bunny is just Joe Bunny's name. So um wasn't much that went into that, was there? So Andy Durant. Came at us on Twitter with Mark Hotcross Bun. Mark, he could have done better with that, I think, couldn't he? Could have added to that, I think. He'd definitely start in goal. Yep. Yeah, it's a good shout. Good. We've got um, a goalkeeper. Good. We've got a goalkeeper. Change it to um, Hot or Scott Cross Bun. No, no, no. We're going to come to that in a moment, Daniel. Stop ruining yes. it. <laughs> wait, wait your time. Wait your time, Danny. <laughs> uh, we. <laughs> no, we have got James Easter Egg Hunt. That's from Mike James on Twitter. Easter Egg Hunt. Oh, was in Egg Hunt. Yes, egg yes, hunt. Danny. Yeah, I thought you thought yes. that was from Louis Baldwin's again from last week. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, we've got a striker. Uh, so this is also from Mike on Twitter. Better be Eric Sabin. It's not. I'm afraid it's Egg Baz Basket Savage. As in no. Bazkit Savage. Savage. Yeah, yeah. Bazkit yeah. Savage, yeah. Because it's Baz Savage, I'm going to allow it. Uh, we've got uh, an interesting one from Ian on Twitter. Uh, he's he's going to go with uh, Doom Bow Broom Witch. Um, <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I, I think Ian got confused because he did then reply to his, sorry, I thought it was Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm not sure where Ian's been for the last for the last few months. But if anyone knows Ian, uh, please check in with him and make sure he's okay. Uh, so a question from someone else on Twitter is, will the Cobblers be playing Crucifixion Alexandra on Charlie Good Friday? That's really good work. That's good work. I was man at CNA on Twitter. Well done, yeah, I didn't like. I didn't. I didn't like to mention his name. Oh, so, uh, any particular reason? Uh, no, not at all. Hmm. Fair enough. Carry on. Uh, Matt on Twitter is bringing back an old submission, Christian Lee. Mm. Well, Easter is a Christian festival. Yep, I like it. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, as Danny alluded to earlier, Scott Crossburn. Yeah, Craig, Craig West needed some help, though, didn't he? He did. You gave him a bit of a poke. Yeah, a little bit, because he just put Scott Cross originally, which which, which is fine. You know, that that's absolutely fine. It, you know, the, cr- Still works. the cross, the crucifixion and all that. Yeah, got that. But, you know, a simple add a bun to it, Craig. And he uh, he couldn't believe he'd missed it. He uh, he also came back at, at us with Chick Brody. Now, you're going to have to explain that to me. Chick. Yes. Easter. Yes. No, I know No, I know that. The player. You're going to have to explain the player to me. I do not remember a player <laughs> called Brody. Was it a Chuck, was it a Chuck Brody? Or... Ch- I don't know. I'm Googling it as we as we speak. What do I Google? Chuck or Chick? <laughs> Chuck, I'm going with. Chuck Brody. Uh, oh. Chick Brody. There we go. Oh, it's, an, it's actually Chick. It's actually chick, yeah, but it's spelt like as in chic. chic. chic yeah, chic Brody. Brody. <laughs> what a lovely handbag. Incredible. How we don't know this, boys, is this is incredible. Uh, he he was a Scottish professional goalkeeper, made over 400 appearances, uh, most notably for Brentford, older <laughs> shot on Northampton. Please don't say it was 400 appearances for us and we don't know. No, but it, it, no, it, gets, be- it gets better, Charles. <laughs> It gets it. better. I've, uh, I've read ahead. His, his, sadly, uh, Chick Brody's professional career came to an end in 1970 when he was seriously injured after colliding with a dog, which had run onto the field of play. Oh, no. <laughs> for him. So there you go. He played 87 times for us. Did he play for Torquay? He, uh... Uh, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. right. The only reason... So on, on Netflix, there's this documentary series called Losers where they document the losers in football. And one episode is all on Torquay United from, I think it's the eighties where they're, they're, they're battling to avoid relegation out of the, the football league. Um, might even be the nineties, but on the final day of the season, they stayed up thanks to a goal that was scored. But when the guy scores the goal, he runs off to the crowd to celebrate. And this is back in the days when the police used to be there with dogs to help control the crowd. And the dog bit the player's leg <laughs> and, and literally sunk his teeth and they couldn't get the dog off of the guy's leg. And it, it caused about nine minutes worth of injury time. And, and the talkie then went on and scored the winner during that extra injury time period which kept them That's in the football league so it's losers on netflix surely it delayed it by canine minutes charles not <sighs> oh my god Damn no. it. Right. interestingly we paid four thousand pounds for chick brody did we really in, in, what, in, 19, in 1961 in today's money that's about i don't know seven million ash taylors <laughs> <laughs> he also uh 
won a, a third division championship medal for us uh, in the successful 1962-63 campaign. Oh, wow. So there you go. That, that person. Yes. Uh, sadly, uh, his career was ended by a dog and he's also passed away, so no longer with us. Should we mention Paul on Twitter? Um, Auntie's Hotshots, who has built what I'd like to call uh, an incredible sort of Wendy house. Yes, it, it it's brilliant. I saw this. This is impressive. Isn't it? It's it, it's it's my sort of Wendy house. It's in cobbler's colours, and it's perfect. So well done, Paul. Um, if you'd like to come and build one in the podcast garden, that would be great. <laughs> it's a bit like the Blue Peter Garden. But... <laughs> <laughs> like the Blue Peter Garden, but with more, but, with less um, kids. <laughs> yeah, different, and, uh, different growths. <laughs> what? Different plants. Different right. plants. Okay, brilliant. Hey. <laughs> Tom Cliff on Twitter. Tom Cliff on Twitter wins the post bag this week simply by saying Martin Smith hashtag biblical. Mm. It's a good shout. It is a good shout. And, and the fact that Martin Smith also liked the tweet. I mean, I didn't know that Martin Smith was nicknamed Jesus. I, I, I didn't get it. He's, he's God of football, isn't he? He is. He is, yeah. He's, he's the son of God, isn't he? Indeed. So there you go. Post bag done. Uh, look out for next week's question. Thanks for everyone's input. Brilliant. Thank you, Neil. So Saturday sees the Cobblers' final home league game of the season. Our opponents are Yeovil Town. And to tell us more about their season, here's Sheridan Robbins. I'm Sheridan and I've been supporting Yeovil Town for over 13 years. My expectations of the season were certainly not to be fighting for our lives at the bottom of League Two with just two matches to go. I really thought at the very least we would stay up, despite the fact that we were hoping for you know a promotion pushing season. Um, after five years of, of anguish down the bottom of League Two and League One, so it's been really tough to take. Um, and I really was hoping that this time it would be different, especially with the talented players that we've got. Um, some some we've had unlucky with injuries, but certainly not enough to be blaming the remarkable town turn in form um, since the turn of the year really where we've just capitulated it just makes you thankful that we got that early form because I feel like we would have been relegated last month um, with with how terrible we've been Um, and as you can imagine the season so far has been really disappointing Um, it's been hard to watch at times particularly under Darren Way Um, some of the body language that you've seen from the manager and the fans and the players has just been terrible and it breaks your heart as a Yeovil Town fan um, since Darren Way has, has left the club it's changed remarkably in terms of the support Hewish Park was bouncing on Bank Holiday Monday and when we scored the opener um, it reminded me of the Hewish Park that I know and love um, and I hope that continues. And if we could pull off the remarkable great escape, then I, I'm, I'm excited for the future. Main threats in the Oval team, and we haven't been threatening much in truth in the last few games, but Alex Patterson will be the one to watch. Tristan Abrahams as well, sort of, you know, midfield players, midfield playmakers. Um, they're very good on the ball and very creative and, and cause lots of problems with their pace too. So it's good to see them really getting their um, teeth into the matches. And I think they'll cause Northampton a lot of problems, particularly away from home. If we can kind of press and and 
soak up pressure and 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 when once we get the ball in the middle of the park we should be able to create something with it um i also would you'd say that alex dobre is one of the best footballers i've seen in the over town shirt in a very long time um and if we can get the ball to him he can create some magic he's one of those that just needs a chance um and he's what he's a fantastic footballer um he's wasted kind of on the wing so i hope we play him in a more central role now um we've had to had to sort of change things with an injury on bank holiday monday but um i think if we can play him in a more central role um he is a real threat oh my match prediction oh that's really tough because i just don't know <laughs> it depends what yeovil town turn up i mean if we play like we did on bank holiday monday i can't i can't see why we don't get a result um, but we need a win, so I'm going to predict a win. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be a nervy, nervy 2-1 win with Alex Fisher coming on to score the goal um, and perhaps Courtney Jufus grabbing one too. Very nervous already, um, but should be a good game if nothing else. Uh, let's cut to the chase then, boys. If we win, we could be sealing Yeovil's fate and relegating them to the National League. Does that add more interest to this game for either of you? <sighs> Does it make it more interesting? Not really. Um, Does it make you want to go not, more? Nope. Um, I'll be on the golf course, Charles. So um, no, I won't be going. Um, I, potentially, if Yeovil were, you know, going to bring a shed load of fans and stuff, I might think about going because it'd be a bit more interesting, a bit of a better, better atmosphere. But they're not going to bring loads, are they? Um, they don't travel in big numbers. Um, no. It doesn't make it more interesting for me at all, actually. Danny? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, only because I know I am going. Um, <laughs> you, want me, you want there to be something on it. You don't want to be playing Grimsby or something, do you? Or it's going to be a completely dour thing with nothing on it. I mean, that, that kind of made the Oldham game a little, at the end of last season a little bit more interesting that we relegated them. Um, uh, uh, yeah, a little bit more interesting, but... It's just a kind of, you, you want to go and just hammer them and be done with the season and say, see you later, don't you? I I, yes. I tend to find that the last game of the season now doesn't have so much going on because because of the fact that we now have an awards dinner, don't we, at the end of the season, literally after the last game of the season. Whereas before, we used to give out all the awards before the match, didn't we, on the last game of the season? So you always used to get the player of the year presentation and stuff going on before the game kicked off. Whereas that none of that happens anymore. So there's there's kind of even less for people to to go to the game for, especially when we're in the position that we're in where it really doesn't matter whether we win, lose or draw it. Yeah. We're really building this one up, aren't we? It will be an exciting game. Uh, a chance to chance to see some of our old favourites potentially play their last game at Six Fields. Do you think um, Ash Taylor's going to go and throw his shirt into the crowd? He'll get, someone will throw it back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like, If there was some sort of affiliation to, with some of the players that were potentially moving on and stuff, you'd, you'd probably say there's a bit more to it and stuff, isn't it? You know, it's a bit more important to go along and watch the game and stuff, but I, I I know I've mentioned it before, but I've, the season's finished for me. Um, although potentially, I think I might go to the the last game of the season away at Oldham. Um, but there might be something on that for Oldham, mightn't there? You know, they're they're having a late playoff charge, so it could be quite exciting. So, what's the difference between that game and this one? 
Because there's something that on was, it for Yeovil. Well, the Oldham game, uh, Charles, uh, I think you said would have a bit of a podcast day out and probably get drunk. So, Well, I didn't say anything about getting drunk. I assumed that was a given. Well, so, you assumed correctly, um, but I did not say anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> it, it. It's the day out element of it, isn't it? As opposed to driving 10 minutes to six fields mm. to not exactly have a, a good atmosphere or, or anything. So it's, yeah, it's it, that's the difference for me, the day out part. So Yeovil's last five games, I mean, this will hopefully cheer us up a little bit. Um, the last five games, they haven't won any of them. They've lost two and drawn three of them. Their most recent was on Bank Holiday Monday on, on uh, today, as it happens, and they drew one all with 10-man Colchester. So... It's looking fairly good for a win, I would say, from our point of view, especially when you consider that they've not won in their last nine matches. Um, the last time they did win was on the 2nd of March at home to Morecambe, and they won that in a 3-2 thriller. So at the very least, it looks like it should be a game that we're fairly comfortable at winning. It should be, but it doesn't usually work out that way, does it, when the team's in a bad run of form? You would imagine that they're going to be up for it and they're going to be fighting for it, but sometimes that doesn't happen. I remember Barnett coming here a few years ago and really needing a win to, I think it was the last day of the season. Um, and the fans and the players just didn't seem bothered by it. And I find I found it really weird that they just weren't up for it and they weren't kind of in, interested in in the fact they're going to be relegated into the Football League and out of the Football League, sorry. Um, in, out. Shake that all about... Um, so yeah, it's, I think to me personally, it adds a little bit of interest, but nothing that, nothing to, to get hugely excited by unless Hoskins gets the four goals he needs to, the five goals he needs even to, to get into his double figures. The, um, the Oldham game is an interesting one, isn't it? Because we, we sent them, you know, we relegated them last season pretty much, um, and it could be that they they need to beat us on the last day of the season to make the playoffs. So we could we could have another big say in the outcome of their season for for the second year in succession. Uh, I, I mean, I, I say a big say. I can't see they're, them getting, uh, can't see them getting enough points to. I can't, I can't see them bridging enough of a gap between now and then next week. Well, you say that, Danny. You know they've got they've got that. a game in hand. You do say that they've got a, yeah they've got a game in hand so technically ah. they win their game in hand that's sixty five points which is only a point off Exeter with two games left. It's true I didn't see the game in hand. You didn't. Uh, didn't a game in that. the hand it is worth two in the bush as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a, a, a strange a, a very good goal difference Oldham haven't they? It's, it's a, I know yeah. they've completely gone off on a tangent Weird, but just, yeah plus thirteen. Um, yeah, which that's all they've got help. really. Yeah, you're right. So should we get some predictions then? No. No? You don't want to do predictions? Let's do some predictions. Come on, it's not all doom and gloom, is it? Good stuff. Right, Danny, we'll start with you, my good friend. Yes. What did you predict this week? Let's not go that far, Charles. (laughs) What do I predict? I'm going all out, balls out for a 5-1 win. 5-1 win. 5-1. like um, England, England, Germany, that time. Even Heskey scored. Golden Pierre is captain, and Hoskins makes it five. We're on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the ball. We're on the ball. They'll make a song of it. Exception. Did you did you mention all your goal scorers there, Danny? No. 
Do you want to? Um, yeah, why not? I think there's going to be an own goal. There's going to be an own goal. An own goal? An own yeah, goal. Name, name the oval player that will score the own goal. I will. Good. Um, let me just have a quick think about uh, this because it's quite a tricky one. I think Hoskins is going to go down one of his trademark runs down the wing, obviously. Uh, cut the <laughs> ball on, back. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> one of his trademark runs down the wing. Charles, can you remember these trademark runs down the wing? Uh, no, and uh, I think they've been wiped from the records for copyright reasons. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Hoskins is going to go on one of his runs down the wings. He's going to clip back, and Bevis Mugabe is going to be there, and he's going to comically fumble it into his own net. Nice. Past, uh, past that well-known uh, Yeovil goalkeeper, Stuart Nelson. Good. I think you said Pierre would score, didn't you? There we go. Right, so I think obviously Hoskins is going to round off his uh, season at home with a goal. Um, and potentially his career. Potentially. Well, don't be so ridiculous, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> um, Junior Marias will score a goal. Uh, Sam Foley will score a goal. And then I think, I mean... I did say Keith Curl might score a goal, but I think Hoskins might get another one. So that'll take him to, what, eight for the season, will it? Uh, needing two goals at Oldham to finish off his double-figure season. What was the bet? What was the bet we had? I know it was the... You, you didn't you, have a bet. Ridic- you just... We just sh- you shot me down. We called you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and rightly so, it seems, Danny. <laughs> My prediction is 2-0. Um, I'm going with a Hoskins goal, Danny. You'll be pleased to know. There you go. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm falling into your trap. I think, um, and I, I think that uh, Andy Williams will get another goal as long as he plays, of course, because that might have been the last game that he ever plays in the Cobbler's shirt that we've witnessed today. You never know. It usually helps. Place. Yeah, usually helps. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Neil, your prediction. My prediction for the Oval game. Indeed. On Saturday. Yeah. Final home game of the season. Yeah. What time does it kick off, Neil? Uh, three o'clock. Oh, lovely. Is there a uh, circus up in the uh, North Stand car park still? Uh, I don't think it's a circus, Charles. I think that's on the pitch. I think it's a fun fair. fun fair. My prediction is a rip-roaring three-all draw. Ooh, that's a good, good, good prediction, that, Neil. Go on, then. Who, who's your three goal scorers for the ten? We will race into a 3-0 lead. Oh, here we go. It's Hereford all over again. <laughs> um, and my my goal scorers are as follows, Charles. Pollock, Scott Pollock. He's going to open his account and then he's going to celebrate by lifting up his cobbler shirt to reveal a hashtag tattoo. Aaron Pierre scores and then spends five minutes waving to the crowd, waving his goodbyes. Um, Junior Marias scores. Um, can I change Junior Marias actually you, you can if you want to quick substitution yeah I'm swapping Junior Marias for Andy Williams Ooh. because on, on the basis that I've said we'll race into a 3-0 lead uh, Junior Marias won't be on the pitch so uh, Andy Williams instead of Junior Marias uh, 3-0 3-0 at half time to Cobblers and uh, it will finish 3-0 
for all of the early odds on this week's game, including our predictions. That's right. You can now go and bet on our predictions. I really wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, go to bonuslibrary.co.uk forward slash cobblers to me. Um, and there we have it. Charles, what was that? What was that website? Bonuslibrary.co.uk forward slash cobblers to me. And there we have it. Another episode comes to an end. Thanks as always for listening. Keep your comments, thoughts and opinions on all things Cobblers coming into us on Twitter and Facebook at Cobblers to me. We'll see you next week for more Cobblers chat. But for now, we're all off to finish off all of our kids Easter chocolate. Goodbye. Finish the stand. Support the podcast on Patreon by joining the It's All Cobblers to Me fan club. Every month, you'll receive access to exclusive bonus content such as our Meet the Staff series, hear our player interviews before anyone else, and be invited to regular meetups. By joining the fan club, you'll be helping us to continue our sponsorship of NTFC women's player Abby Bruin and enable us to keep the podcast and all our other content going to the high standards you expect. To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me.